Well, it hasn't happened in 36 years, and now all of Westminster seems to be dreading its return. No, not bell-bottoms, but a hung parliament. Hi, I'm Justin Guest. Welcome to the Government Department Hot Seat. With us to discuss this very historic possibility is Professor Patrick Dunleavy. Thanks very much for being here, Professor. Thanks for inviting me. All right, well, let's get started. How exactly would a hung parliament affect the day-to-day -day politics of Westminster? Well, Britain's in a kind of long-running, protracted transition from the old two-and-a-half parties, Labour, Tory, plus the Liberals, to uh, essentially a multi-party system. In every region of the country now, there are five or six parties that are really in, strongly in contention. We're like a kind of modern, standard European liberal democracy in terms of votes. But when you come to the uh, parliament itself, we're not like that at all. Most of these parties are not represented. BNP, UKIP, Greens, they've got representation elsewhere, but not in Westminster. So the elites here are in a kind of denial, particularly the conservative and labor elites. They keep trying to pretend that there's a two-party contest. And that's what's creating the, the prospect of a, a hung parliament. Whereas I think we should see this instead, instead of seeing it as a, a problem, we should see it as a kind of a very key transition moment in which we perhaps uh, shift over uh, decisively, and we all recognize that we've shifted over, to a kind of more standard European coalition government model. And I'm, I'm, I'm myself hopeful that, it, that there will be a hung parliament, because I think it, it, it reflects what the public really wants, and that uh, in this hung parliament we would actually see the first peacetime coalition, formal peacetime coalition, for a real you know, four-year period. Uh, and that would be a big step forward, I think. Now, that said, the rhetoric coming from the parties and the candidates themselves has certainly been anti-hung uh, parliament, um, certainly for obvious reasons. It wouldn't be in their interest. Um, do you think that the British people, do you think that resonates with the British people? No. Uh, there was a recent poll just the other day which uh, showed that 44% of people think a hung parliament is a good idea, and the remainder are divided, sort of, slightly less want a conservative government, slightly less want a, a Labour government. So there's no reason to suppose that uh, British voters don't know exactly what they're doing. And uh, I think the old rhetoric which says, you've got to choose me, and if you don't choose me, you'll get him, uh, you know, people are rejecting that. Now, as it has been since 1974, since the last time there was a hung parliament, um, maybe you can remind everyone, how do you think this will affect the everyday lives of British people and their civic life? Well, I think the, the old uh, thing people used to worry about a lot was uh, you have a hung parliament, the financial markets sell the pound, and, and then you can't go abroad because your holidays have become vastly too expensive, that kind of stuff. Or, you know, if you're paying mortgages overseas or whatever, making payments, then your bills change. Uh, I, I'm hoping that the, the markets have had a lot, enough time to discount for all these effects, and I'm hoping also that the markets will have better political intelligence uh, and recognize that, you know, uh, coalition governments and hung parliaments are the sort of pervasive norm for uh, European governments. And this isn't something unusual. But we could expect if the conservative and labor elites themselves behave in ways that are not very public interested, and the conservatives, for example, Nick Clegg was denouncing them at the weekend for going around, you know, stirring up anxiety about a hung parliament, uh, and I agree with him. I mean, it's just flatly against national interest to, uh, to pretend that this is going to be some dreadful and difficult 
conjecture. It just means that political elites who don't want to negotiate with somebody else will have to negotiate with somebody else. So now certainly there's some contingency planning amongst the parties. What do you think that entails? What is their perspective on how to deal with this and actually make laws and, and, and run the country? Well, I think we've got to think about what the election result is. Now, there, there are two possibilities. One is that David Cameron falls just short of an overall majority. So it's a very shallow hung parliament. And he's got various other people like Northern Ireland unionists and people. Uh, and he can perhaps rely on a fragmented inability of the other parties to cooperate in that situation. So we could have a minority government, but it's hard to see such a government lasting for very long unless they have some agreement with the Liberal Democrats. And, uh, you know, David Cameron has set up a strategy unit recently to just focus on the hung parliament thing, but only very recently, and in the last couple of weeks as the Tory poll leaders drifted away, uh, has, he, has he done that. Uh, a second possibility is that we could have a deep hung parliament. Now here, this means that no government really has enough to get by. They couldn't survive even a basic vote without some support or some agreement of other parties to, to go along with them being in government. Um, now, first thing here is, does Gordon Brown stay in office or does he try to do a deal with the Liberal Democrats? Um, he is not very well placed to do a deal because he has a poor reputation as a peaceable, fun-loving guy who you'd like to run a coalition government with. And the Liberal Democrats have said that they wouldn't do a deal if he stayed. And I think it would just be unlikely in that situation. So we could imagine that he, you, you know, he might then resign. Uh, then David Cameron has to try and do a deal. Now his problem is that um, he's actually he's close to the Liberal Democrats on some things like scrapping ID cards. They're probably not a million miles away in terms of running the budget and things. But they are a million miles away on things like House of Lords reform and changing the Commons uh, electoral system, whereas Labour are not. They, they're very close to Liberal Democrat policy on that, and similarly, they're not very far apart on budget. So, uh, and in particular, the Liberal Democrats, I think, will be looking, if, they, if it is a deep-hung parliament, to get some cabinet posts. They've got, actually, you know, three very well-known, very talented people, Nick Clegg, Chris Hoon and Vincent Cable, all of whom are much more competent than most of the existing cabinet. So there's no probable problem about them joining a, a kind of coalition in that sense. But whether the Conservatives would be able to do that or not is tricky. And David Cameron's in a weak position vis-a-vis -vis his right wing. Um, so <clears throat> that would be a very difficult thing. And, you know, he may prefer to try and just run a minority government for a few months and then try and call another general election and hope that by then the, the wind of change was, was with him. But if you look elsewhere at other systems very similar to the British, let's look at Canada, for example. They have had a Conservative government with a minority, uh, and they've called, you know, they, they, they had a first general election, it was a hung parliament, and the Prime Minister has twice tried to have another general election and get a majority and not got a majority. So I, I think there's a very real chance that uh, that strategy won't work for David Cameron. And it won't be like 1974, which was, you know, 35 years ago. Uh, and times have changed enormously since then. So what do you think it will require for Westminster to have this realization, this epiphany, 
that the two-party system is, is effectively uh, obsolete in this country? Well, one really great opportunity, uh, you know, one scenario that might work runs like this. Um, it's the deep home apartment. Maybe uh, David Cameron has got more seats than, than Labour, which seems quite likely. Uh, he, uh, so Gordon Brown resigns. Uh, everybody in the Labour Party who doesn't like Gordon Brown, and there are plenty of candidates for that job, will stab him in the back. He then resigns as party leader. Labour gets its act together. Meanwhile, on, on forming a, uh, choosing a new leader, somebody cuddly like Alan Johnson or David Miliband, somebody who could negotiate very well and who would be uh, a pleasant prime minister to work for, uh, somebody that Liberal Democrats might trust. Meanwhile, David Cameron goes away, starts his government, comes back with a budget and Queen's speech, presents to Parliament. By that time, there's a Lib Lab coalition in place. They say no. Uh, and he then has to resign. He might then go to the Queen and say, give me another general election. But if there was a Lib Lab deal in place, the Queen wouldn't need to say yes. And then you could have a four-year Lib Lab government. Now that, if uh, any scenario like that, would very decisively... Um, you know, herald this change that I think is going to happen in British politics sometime. If it doesn't happen in 2010, it, it will happen in 2015 or, or 14. But that's the kind of change you'd need to see. All right, that'll do it. Professor Patrick Dunleavy, you are off the hot seat. Thanks for being with us. And thank you for tuning into this month's edition of The Hot Seat. Please do tune into our website in the next few months as we examine other topics in the upcoming British campaign.